When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into your Friday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it once again with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. We hope your Thanksgiving was full of football, fun, and food. And folks, again and again and again, make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It's only $4.99 a month, but that comes with a 14-day free trial. And you won't be charged that $4.99 a month until the end of that trial. You can sign up by going to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Make sure you click on that blue banner at the top of the page. And guys, speaking of Thanksgiving, I just got to ask, uh, how was it for you guys? Uh, any highlights, anything exciting for you both uh, on Thursday? Uh, my Thanksgiving was good. Um, I ate way too much food. Um, I think I like ate half my body weight in sweet potato casserole. So it was uh, it was a good holiday. I uh, enjoyed some football. It was, it was nice. Good to see the family. Uh, we just low-key, we had one of the kids that was uh, a little under the weather, so uh, I did not very much leave the couch. So <laughs> no no highlights or lowlights, I guess. And that's a reminder to myself and everyone, make sure you get that flu shot. Stay with you. Do what you can to stay immune and healthy because it is that time of the year. But, yeah, I'd say it was kind of the same uh, as kind of what you did, Andrew. I, I stuffed myself more with uh, turkey. Although I did have some really, really nice sweet potato casserole that my auntie made, which she always does it right every year, with exception to the COVID year, obviously. So that was really good. Uh, that Vikings-Patriots game, man, that was definitely one of the fun games to watch. And kind of connecting that to the Bengals, I think Cincinnati can appreciate that because with the Patriots losing to Minnesota on Thursday, that actually elevates the Bengals from the seventh seed to the sixth seed in the AFC wildcard rankings. And, of course, uh, these teams will meet on Christmas Eve, so that makes that – matchup even more enticing but yeah i'm sure the Bengals will definitely take that uh, as they head to nashville this weekend and jumping into the game of course the big headlines that you guys are obviously aware of uh, that you guys were talking to zach taylor about jamar chase is questionable for sunday's match joe mixon is out with a concussion that he sustained against pittsburgh so samaj p ryan trey williams and chris evans will be the ones getting the call at running back so i mean now that we know for sure Jamar's questionable, and we, we kind of knew he was going to be questionable, but now that we know that it's a toss-up for Jamar, although Joe Burrow kind of gave it away, and Joe Mixon is out, uh, just hearing that, and kind of from what Zach Taylor said, what do you guys make of that entering Sunday? Yeah, I, well, from the Jamar standpoint, um, from that point of things, uh, I, I would bet he plays. Um, you know, Zach, when, when people, you know, we were all asking him questions, just kind of Things maybe not directly related to, to Jamar, but kind of adjacent um, in, in terms of his status for Sunday, because, you know, he said before that, 
you know, the you could kind of guess what the plan was going to be, and that plan was going to be to get him back uh, for this particular game, um, which is why they didn't put him on IR, because if he was put on IR, he would automatically be out for this one. Um, you know, so Zach's, you know, Zach was asked a question about um, if Jamar was still on track, and he said he was, and everything had gone according to plan. Uh, and it wasn't really going to be up to a like a pregame, like a pregame workout or a pregame, you know, pregame test to see how Jamar is feeling. Um, so, it, 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 you know, if I were a betting man on this particular subject, I would say that uh, Jamar is going to play. Um, obviously, we won't know that until, um, I guess, 1030 local time uh, in Nashville. Um, we won't know that for the inactives. But if I had to guess, I'd guess he'd play. And then um, the running back stuff is interesting. Um, I, I'm just curious what that split's going to look like. So, um, same here. I, yeah, I know Mike. I, Mike asked yeah. Zach directly about this too. Yeah, and and I think you know they're they're playing it close to the vest. They they won't. They're not saying who's going to get sort of the the bulk of the carries. He did say Chris Evans would play. He missed last week uh, with a knee injury, so they'll have three healthy backs. Uh, Williams and Evans. Uh, the last time they kind of got extended playing time was when Mixon sat out. Uh, and, and, and Samaje did as well the last year's season finale against Cleveland. Um, you know, I, it's a big game for them to sort of prove that they're capable of, of doing some of the things that, that Mixon does. Uh, I think you'll get a heavy dose of Samaje if they do run the ball, um, you know, because he's still going to have his third third uh, third down role. Um, but I think, you know, Zach said it's sort of like, a, you know, they decided at the start of the week, how's the game going to look? So, I mean, if they don't decide to really run the ball I mean it might not be that it might just be that they do you know Chris Evans caught a pass earlier out of the backfield obviously that's Samaje's role um they've been doing a lot of that this season I mean Joe Mixon uh I was only two catches away from his career high in a single season he's got 41 I think he had 43 a couple of years ago so they've done a lot of that so you know is this game they even choose to run the ball I, I think we'll wait and see and that's what obviously Zach doesn't like to talk about doesn't talk to, like to talk about what the split will look like, what the rotation will look like, and then, you know, what even is the game plan in terms of are they going to use the running backs much in a traditional running role? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, a I think, one of the bigger question marks as we go into Sunday for this offense. Yeah, and when, um, you know, I, like I asked Zach that question, and, you know, like you said, he didn't really want to give away the splits. Um, but I thought I, Mike brought up a really good point um, at our last podcast where it was, you know, you, you really don't want to take Samaje off the field in certain situations. You know, if it's third and eight, you want Samaje on the field because you know what kind of pass blocker you're getting. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I'm curious maybe if, you know, you get into a situation where it's second and 10 and or, or second and long or first and 15 after a penalty or something like that. If you don't go five wide, if Jamar's going to play, because if Jamar's going to play, you can roll Jamar, T, Tyler, uh, and then, you know, Stanley Morgan, Trent Irwin, something like that. Um, you can roll those four, and then you have Hayden Hurst as kind of an inline blocker um, as a typical tight end, like at his typical spot and Burroughs in the backfield alone. Um, you know, I, I so that all, I say all that to say that I think there's variations here, and, and I'm curious to see, you know, what this game plan does kind of look like because there's, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, um, you know, I, I think that this is going to be kind of an, an interesting game to see kind of how they manage. Okay, you don't have Mixon. How are you going to adjust to that? And I think that there's some interesting opportunities for them uh, to kind of just get creative. You know, to that point, uh, Andrew, I think what's interesting is if you remember that Cleveland game on Halloween, um, 
which was almost a month ago, hard to believe. I think it was that very first drive, and it was like the second or third play of the game. Chris Evans caught a pass down the sideline, and we saw nothing from him from that point on. So who knows? You could see that. We saw what Samajai did against the Steelers in his historic performance, um, a game that no Bengals running back ever had with three receiving touchdowns in franchise history. So, you know, and, and the thing is, like, with or without Joe Mixon, you're going against one of the best pass rushes uh, and run defenses in the NFL. Although to that point, what makes it even more interesting on top of what you guys just added to those layers, Danico Autry is not going to play uh, against the Bengals in that game. He's out with a knee injury, one of the best outside linebackers at his position. And then Jeffrey Simmons, who, I mean, we talked about him earlier in the week. I mean, Brian Callahan said he's like a monster in his own right. Uh, he's questionable. Uh, I'm, I would think they try to they want to get him in there uh, with his injury, which looking at the report is an ankle injury. I, I think he'd play most of the game. So, but still, that's something to look at. I mean, we we don't know for sure until uh, the actives come out Sunday. But yeah, with just the way their run defense is, with how little they allowed against Green Bay, it makes you wonder with Samaj and or Chris and or Trey, what do you do with those guys? Do you even hand it off? Do you? have the splits, like, that's going to be fun to watch, and we'll definitely uh, keep our eyes on that. But just jumping into the thick of things, uh, prediction-wise, what are your all's predictions for this AFC Divisional rematch Sunday? Mike, you go first. Uh, (laughs) I talked first last time. I had uh, 24-20 Bengals. Um, I wrote this in my prediction that's going to be posted uh, for the morning. Uh, Tennessee is – schedule is just like who they've played is just awful um their combined record of the teams they've faced and beat is 15 and 40 uh the best team that they their best win is against the washington team that's not very good i mean their best game might be the game that they lost to kansas city um their defense is obviously very good they do have derrick henry but the rest of the offense is really really not very good they're just not production wise it's not it's not been consistent uh, they've only scored over 25 points once. I mean, they're struggling to get to 20. Um, I, I think with the offensive talent the Bengals have that they should have the edge. I, I think it'll be a close game because it seems like every game Tennessee plays is close. Uh, but you, you really feel like that this is uh, you know a, a prime chance for the Bengals to win three in a row here. Yeah, I, I was kind of similar to Mike here. Um, you know, I said 27-20 Bengals. Um, I think something that you know, can't really get overlooked here is that uh, Tennessee might have a kicking problem this weekend. Um, Randy Bullock, he was limited on Thursday. He's questionable for the game. He sat out practice on Friday. Um, so Tennessee might have some some kicking issues. I think that that might, um, you know, it, that's not insignificant. Um, but kind of like just to echo what Mike said, I think that uh, I think that the Bengals are a better team. I think that if you get Jamar Chase back, that just presents so many other challenges that defenses kind of have to be aware of you know even even if he's not all the way back to 100 and i don't mean health wise just but you know if he's back if he's just not back in rhythm yet i mean he's still a force to have so um you know i i think the bengals are going to be able to pull this one out i question how much tennessee is going to be able to kind of play from behind if that is the case um we all know how much the, the Bengals have really kind of stressed playing in, in a position of, of leverage really this season. You know, even if it's a 3 nothing lead, we saw against Pittsburgh that they will do whatever they can to take that. So uh, for me, I, I think the Bengals are going to – they're going to win this one by seven. I think they're going to cover. 
I do like this kind. I do like this matchup for them, and, and just getting to seven and four would be so big. So uh, I'm going to pick the Bengals. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick the Bengals with you guys as well. Uh, my score prediction is a little bit lower. I'm going to say it's closer to something along the lines of Bengals 21, Tennessee 16, which to me mirrors a lot of that final score last year when they met in the playoffs, which was 19 to 16 Cincinnati. Um, it's so similar yet so different because obviously you still have that pass rush, pass rush that won't have Autry, but will have just about everyone else. You still have Derrick Henry who will be healthier than he was when he returned for the first time in forever against the Bengals in that game. Tannehill is Tannehill. But with the Bengals offense, you know, I think this is a chance for Joe Burrow to show that, hey, if you can avenge, you know, that pass rush that hit you, well, I should say sacked you nine times and hit you a couple times, but after that, you know, hit you that many times last year, you know, and you can do that without Joe Mixon, who had more of a role in that game because he scored a touchdown last year. If you can do it without Joe Mixon and be just as efficient with Jamar Chase, even if, like you said, Andrew, he's not 100% quality-wise, if you can still be just as efficient as Jamar Chase was with the few but mighty touches he had last year, and you can do it against a team that's almost guaranteed to win the AFC South to move to 7-4, and four, I think that honestly raises Joe Burrow's MVP odds. It gives the Bengals the confidence that – they can beat anyone. I mean, even if they don't beat Kansas City, it gives them the confidence that they will make Kansas City play for every down, every yard when they meet next Sunday back in Cincinnati on December 4th. And then you got Buffalo to open the new year. So I think obviously every win is a confidence builder, but just everything surrounding this game, if the Bengals win it, really is the confidence booster you need for Burrow as an MVP, this offense being the top 10 offense as it is, and defensively, we talked about how good they are. That's just elevating from good to great if you can stop Derrick Henry once again and, you know, keep Tannehill in his tracks just like they did with three interceptions last year from the very first pick, which was the first play of the game, to Logan Wilson's pick with, I think, 25 seconds left. So I'm going to go Bengals 21-16 on this one. Now, as far as prop bets go, what are you guys feeling prop bets-wise? I guess since Michael went first on uh, the predictions, do you want to go first on this, Andrew? Well, this is your turn. I thought this was a democracy. Ah, yes, yes. See, it's it is you caught me in my own tracks there. So yeah, that, I no, you got to study history. That that would be like we vote each time who goes first. This is that's not a democracy. So so it's a republic well, then. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I, Muhammad, I think it's you're just up. called a rotation. I was gonna say. Uh, well, I'm I'm ready to go. So I'll. I'll all right, go. then go ahead. Um, I, I was gonna yeah. say something, but go ahead. Take yeah, take I, the floor, uh, Andrew. I uh, I like Joe Burrow over a touchdown and a half. Uh, the odds are not great uh, at minus one seventy, um, but you, you're going to be down Joe Mixon. Um, you your running back situation. I mean, who really knows what that's going to be? Um, you know, obviously, if you're if you're going to rely on Samaje Pirine in in a more quote unquote three down role. Um, I don't, I mean, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how they kind of manage that. I don't know what they're going to do there. And if you don't, if you keep Samaje kind of in a similar role, maybe just with a few more snaps, um, you're relying on two running backs who have not really contributed for you this year. Um, so to me, that that's a good one to bet because I like, you know, like I said, uh, I think the Bengals are going to score some points in this game. Um, I think they're going to get close to 30. To me, that just feels like a game that Joe Burrow can hit two 
Um, you know, they, they've shown pretty well here offensively with the exception of the Cleveland game over these last couple of weeks. Maybe you get Jamar Chase back looking like it. So I, I think that that's good value, even if you're not going to get super great odds on that. Um, I do think it is. Uh, I do think it is. You're probably one of your better bets on the board. So I have mine loaded up. Uh, as I said, I was refreshing it, but that's a good one. Uh, to that, speaking of passing, this is an interesting one. People might not think of this, but I just said, you know what? Let me kind of go off the beaten path and go with this one. I'm going to say Hayden Hurst will have over 30 and a half receiving yards. The over under is 30 and a half. I say he goes over. That's pretty much, I mean, 30 and a half. If you do the math, that's about the average of what he gets in a game. And the Bengals have done really well when he does well. I think that's something that can be overlooked at times when you have, like you said, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and in this case, Jamar Chase, who should be back on Sunday. But, I mean, he did pretty well, especially on that first drive uh, against the Steelers. That was his better game. The, the Dolphins game, that was his best game. And I think that's a game where they really needed him coming back against Miami in the second half. And think in a game like this where maybe you take it a little easy with Jamar Chase, you go a little – higher with Hayden Hurst. So I say he goes over 30 and a half receiving yards. Well, I looked at it with uh, Joe Burrow. The line is uh, 277 and a half. Uh, He threw for 348 yards last year and he was sacked nine times. Uh, He only threw it, you know, only attempted 37 passes. So this year you figure he'll be upright more. It won't be as under uh, duress. Uh, I think it'd be easy for him to get to uh, 280. Um, the other one I was kind of thinking of was T Higgins is at 71 and a half over under might take the under there with uh, Jamar chase probably coming back. Wonderful. Yeah. And I now, thought it was interesting. They didn't have P Ryan or any of the, the Bengals running backs listed. Yeah. Um, so to me that, to me that says one Vegas doesn't know right now. Uh, they obviously also don't have Jamar chase. So to me that says that Vegas doesn't really know what to make of this right now. Um, or they're just, they, they're just going to keep it off the board because they don't know what they're going to make of it at kickoff. Um, because, you know, the Bengals have been pretty coy about this. If Jamar Chase plays, is he going to play 100% of the snaps like he normally exactly. does or close to it? So, to me, I, it, it's a limited board this week if you're looking to make prop bets on this uh, Bengals-Titans game. And that's definitely kind of what factored for me into the whole Hayden Hurst prop bet like you mentioned, Andrew. So that's very interesting and something to follow. But uh, to kind of get close to wrapping up here, we didn't do this Thursday because we were enjoying our Thanksgiving. But uh, number of the week, do you guys have a number of the week? What is it and why? Yeah, uh, so my number of the week is uh, 70. uh, And that is the percentage. uh, 70 was the percentage of snaps, offensive snaps, I should say that Samaj P. Ryan played last week. Um, I thought that that was pretty interesting because, you know, we've kind of talked here. We mentioned it about talking to Zach about what that dichotomy is going to look like, what that split is going to look like in the backfield. Um, now, granted, in Pittsburgh, you, or you did not have the, the, the bodies that you, you know, that you thought you were going to. You kind of had to adjust on the fly here. I'm curious what that running back split looks like. Um, because to me, if, if you get, you know, I'd, I'd love to compare that, whatever Samaj P. Ryan's percentage of offensive snaps is, I'd love, and I know it'd be a small sample size, but I'd love to compare that on, uh, on Monday to whatever Joe Mixon has had through these last couple of weeks here. Just, I- I'm curious, I think this can be kind of illuminating in how they view Samaj P. Ryan, um, what they think he's good at 
how they want to attack a game if Joe Mixon does have to miss time. Because we've seen them miss time, uh, or we've seen them lose lose games from, from T. Higgins. We've seen them lose games this year from Jamar Chase. And the offense does change a little bit, and it's not as explosive, but fundamentally nothing really changes. So I think that this is kind of a good test to see okay, here's how they can kind of replace a guy like Joe Mixon if, you know, he sprains an ankle in week 15 and you're going into a stretch going, All right, they got to win these games and now they don't know. So to me, this is, uh, you know, this is an interesting game just in the way of what the running back split is going to look like. So that's uh, that's kind of my number. I, I, I did I did a good one. I did, I got, I did some research. Okay, I hope it's, it's a good two. one. Drum roll, drum roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's 25, okay, 25 okay. carries. Is the magic number? The Bengals got to hold Derrick Henry. Uh, make sure if he, he runs it, it's a bad sign for them if he runs it twenty-five or more. Do you want to guess what the Titans' record is when he carries the ball twenty-five times or more in his career? His career. They had drafted. Uh, that's that's a good 2016. question. Twenty sixteen is what you said. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah, about right. Yeah, drafted twenty sixteen. Yeah, six years. Hmm. Um, I'm sure, see, I'm not good at math on the spot here. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna say it. Uh, 24 and 10. I'm gonna say right. 44 and 2. <laughs> Cut it by half, actually, Andrew, oh, and you have it. It's 21 and 1. Oh, wow, wow. that's actually pretty funny. So, <laughs> I was my win total was close, but my losses were way off. Way off. So, 21 and tw- 21 and 1. When he runs the ball twenty-five times or more, um, and then we the game they okay, well, went to overtime. What? What we can't do is we can't lead into the people that say, "Well, if you run the ball x amount of times, you win x percentage of the time." I get what you're like. I, that's a good stat, and I think that that's fair because it means you're winning. But it's it's one of those things where it's like the Titans get ahead and they have Derrick Henry to just maul through teams. But I think a lot of people read that as, oh, well, if you just give the ball to Derrick Henry 25 times, you're going to win the game. No, I think it just shows that, like, if, if he's the one, if they're controlling, if he's the, the one leading the way, it's to, you're yeah, if they're controlling the game, if they're controlling right. the style of play, they tend to win. And whether they're right. ahead or exactly. not, uh, it doesn't, I don't know, you know, if it's a, I don't think those, those were all obviously blowout wins. It's, you know, they might get the lead exactly. early and then be able to use him. But I think it shows that, um, you know, obviously not a good sign if he gets it's twenty five or more. Yep. Uh, so 100%. that's that's my number. That is. Where did you get that? Because that is actually really impressive. I, I that is probably the best number I, of the week I, I've heard. I, I, I thought of it, and then I looked it up, and I counted all the all the wins and losses. You're a smart guy. Props to you for that. M- mine's just going to be real simple. The mag- the number for me I'm picking is two. Two is how many sacks the Bengals allowed last week. And I think if they don't allow more than that, Joe Burrow goes off. And this is also going to be more vindication for the offensive line that, again, had one of its better, if not best, performance against an elite pass rush because I was very critical of they couldn't do it against Pittsburgh week one, couldn't do it against Dallas week two, Cleveland Halloween. And even Brian Burns from the Panthers had his own when they played back in week nine. So, that was great, and if they want to keep that going, keep it to two or less. And with Autry being out and Simmons questionable, I think there's really no excuse uh, to allow Bud Dupree and everyone else get two or more sacks on Burrow. So uh, that's the match number for me. Keep it under two or less, and Burrow will be backyard Burrow, Joe Burr, Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, whatever you want to call him, and that's what the Bengals will need. 
And finally, this is my favorite part, you know, we got to do our flashback Friday and the spirit of the holidays and Thanksgiving for either of you guys. What is your most memorable Thanksgiving and why? Didn't we just do this one too? This feels like the same no. Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving's now over. Can we move past Thanksgiving? It's Jeez, just way to be a party pooper. Let's let's have some fun with it. I mean, we're we're still coming off the the turkey high, the sweet potato casserole high, like Andrew probably is. Am I digging into the vault for this one? Is that going to take some time to think about? I got. I, I literally have nothing. Yeah. Can you make so, something up? <laughs> so the, thing, the thing with Thanksgiving. So Chris. That's a tough question because I feel like Christmas is like you literally just sit around a table and eat. That's the holiday. That's yeah, what like well, so like, I was gonna say, open? like what, yeah, what? with with Christmas, it's oh, that was a really good Christmas because my family went on vacation that year, or I when I was growing up, I got this Christmas gift and it really stands out for Thanksgiving. I, everybody from the time that they can remember till now, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, had some turkey, had some mashed potatoes, watched the Lions play, watched the Cowboys play, watched the Egg Bowl. I feel like they all just kind of blend together. But the, I guess was like, was there a moment like at the dinner table that stood out? Was maybe here's here's a better question to frame that since you mentioned that. What is the best Thanksgiving game that you remember that sticks out to you? I think that's a better way to frame it. What's a Thanksgiving game that comes to mind? <laughs> Uh, with the Ole Miss Mississippi State Egg Bowl, where Elijah Moore pretended to pee on the field, and oh, that's it was a fifteen-yard penalty, and then Ole Miss missed the extra point, and uh, they lost, and it led to like six coaching changes in college football. So that's the oh, best that's one a good one. Ever. That's Thank a you. good one. I'd say for me, I mean, it's cliche. I think most people laugh when I say it, but honestly. The, the butt fumble. Like, I was actually watching that when it happened. And I remember sitting at my, uh, my mom's parents' old house in Kentucky, where I'm from. And I was sitting with uh, one of my uncles who has since passed away a couple of years ago. And we both looked at each other like, did he really just do that? Like, I will never forget how we just looked at each other like, what did we just see? In the words of Kevin Harlan, what did we just see? I, I, I was just like, man. And obviously, my uncle's sentimental to me. So, just that moment in time is something I'll always remember. But yeah, that fun, bubble, butt fumble, that was iconic. That was that was a fun fun thing to see. Mike, have you thought of anything yet? No, I literally have nothing. I don't think I don't have a memory like that where I can't I couldn't distinguish. And I'm like like thousands of years older than you people, so it's like there's a lot more Thanksgiving. I can't separate games like that. That's not well. And also for the last however many years you've been doing college football stuff, it's like you're leading up to rivalry weekend. So that's true. Not, yeah. ex- not exactly the most relaxing time in the world for you. No, yeah. yeah. Some people got to work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You guys, yeah, we got to we gotta work for a living. Drinking in college or something. Well, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah. hope you all again enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We hope rivalry Saturday is even better for you guys. I will be no Thanksgiving content on the podcast. I think, I think that's important to note. Okay. There, there, there wasn't going to be to begin with, but all right then. I mean, way to make that stated. But yeah, enjoy your rivalry Saturday. I will be at Kroger Field, hopefully watching Kentucky beat Louisville, which is a tradition that's near and dear to me. Uh, and of course, we will see you here on the podcast Sunday, breaking down that titans Bengals matchup. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizer, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great weekend.